food, you know, because I think we all know that issues with food aren't really about food. Mm-hmm. And post-recovery is when you can manage those binges on your own. It's not about not having those um, those urges, you know, to binge or to purge. Because, yeah, you know, they, they will be there, but it's more about learning how to how to manage them. Welcome to the Binge Breakers podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer, this recording is not intended to be used as medical advice, nor is it advice from a doctor. I am a coach, a recovery coach, and I offer advice from my own experience and my clients. But please, if you think you are in need of medical help, seek it immediately. We'll also be talking about subjects such as binging and purging, depression, and other sensitive topics. So if those trigger you, please listen at your own discretion. Hello, podcast listeners. Today, I have a guest on the podcast, Anna. She is a food freedom and body image psychologist. And she's known on Instagram as healthy.mindclub. And the thing that I enjoyed a lot about Anna and our conversation is actually when I first sat down with her to discuss before the podcast what we wanted to talk about, she mentioned that she is 10 years recovered from binge eating and bulimia. And I was like, oh, cool. It's always good to have perspectives from people who've been recovered for longer than me and for quite a while. 10 years is a long time. But she said due to some struggles she had last year, she experienced more urges than she had ever had in a while in her own recovery. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to talk to this person more because people think it's just a linear journey and you've been recovered for 10 years. You've never been in purge in 10 years. You're never going to struggle again after that. And that was not the case for her. But she had quite a lot of unique perspectives on not having this perfect recovery and what realistic recovery looks like. Um, not only being recovered, but the process of it. And so we talked back and forth about that at the end of the podcast. And also we talked a lot about beauty ideals and how they're not things that you were just born with and they're not your own ideas in lots of ways. And just the 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 disparity that you can find with those things and how that manifests into eating disorders, obviously. So it's a really interesting conversation about non, non-perfect recovery uh, recovery methods and I really enjoyed it. So I hope that you like this podcast episode. As always, um, you can find uh, Anna's information in the description below. Also, we still have a few spaces left open for my group coaching program, our eight-week cycle. Our next one is starting next week, February 27th. So if you are interested in joining, um, the next one won't open till late April uh, for uh, spots. So definitely don't miss your chance. It's been a wonderful time working with group members for that program. And I'll tell you more about how we wrap things up next week. All right, bye. I want to start out with kind of a an edgy question, but what is frustrating you most in the eating disorder recovery community right now? I think to be honest, it's like mm, some people present those unrealistic recovery journey standards kind of thing. I think like we live in such like fast-paced society and we're used to getting like everything very quickly but Mm -hmm. like recovery if you like really want to recover and get deeper into your like issues with food like it does take time you know it's a process it's not a quick fix so Mm -hmm. I think like kind of some people are promoting this 
like, yeah, okay, if you struggle with binge eating, just don't keep certain foods at home. But we all know it doesn't work. If you feel like binging, you're going to get that food, you know, so that's true. Yeah, Yeah. I think sometimes there's merit to removing low hanging fruit, like maybe don't have three cakes sitting in front of you when you want to binge, but it's not, it's not the only solution. And it's not just one thing. Um, Unrealistic recovery ideals. I think that's, that's something we wanted to talk about is people have promote like these quick fixes and very fast recovery times. Um, I guess asking you, what is a realistic recovery? I think it really depends on the person, you know, and that's, I know that from a client's perspective, it can be like hard to, get their heads around it but I think yeah it's very kind of personal and it also depends on your root cause and what how many root causes you have because you know you can have more than one so let's say for me it was struggling definitely with salt low self-esteem high criticism being a people pleaser you know so I had to work on each and every of those root causes for quite a while but I would say like definitely few months like at least and some people are in recovery for for a year two years and that's that's also fine you know yeah well and when you define I think it's helpful with audience because it's all subjective and I guess there is a there's a clinical definition of what defines as in recovery versus post recovery. But for you, how do you define in recovery and out of recovery? I think out of recovery or in recovery is when you're still like kind of learning alternative behaviors to binge eating and kind of exploring like those deeper issues that are beneath food you know because I think we all know that issues with food aren't really about food. Mm -hmm. And post recovery is when you can manage those binges on your own. It's not about not having those, um, those urges, you know, to binge or to purge because yeah, you know, they, they will be there, but it's more about learning how to, how to manage them. Mm, I really like that. Actually. It's not what I was expecting you to say. Cause I find sometimes I, I tell people with post recovery that things are, the urges are less frequent and they're less intense, but they'll still be there. But I like that you say it's not even about are the urges gone or not. It's are you able to manage them on your own? Yeah, what did you expect me to say? I I don't know. I thought you'd expect expected you to say maybe like uh oh urges are decreased and stuff like that, and your your behavior is more normal around food and that sort of stuff, which I think you would agree with too. But I I like the defining yeah. thing of the urges might still be there, but you can manage them. So I think it's realistic because it's again still being about like realistic about recovery. So like I recovered, I don't know, like about 10 years ago. And just last year, I also got urges, you know, I was going through some like stressful time and I like, yeah, it really surprised me, you know, that after all these years, I still I got those urges. But I think being aware of that, that it's not about, you know, being like, um urge free it's just about you yeah, knowing that it's something that may return and when you're prepared for that you can deal with it better yeah yeah i want to ask you about your story too but i first want to ask mm-hmm. you how do you deal with urges what do you think is the best way i think it's like to monitor your emotions first of all because i think for me 
um, binging was like a way to deal with my emotions or actually a way of avoiding dealing with my emotions. So I'm really aware of that. And uh, yeah, like, you know, lots of therapists, psychologists say you have to feel the feelings, you know, learning how to sit with your emotions, how to listen to them. And, uh, but also all the um, like nutritional side of things is also very helpful, like to eat regularly, not to restrict, not to count calories, to be physically active as well, because, you know, physical activity also helps like to reduce stress, you know, and tension, mm -hmm. things like that. So for me, it's like maintaining overall what you would call a healthy lifestyle, but it's not a healthy lifestyle in terms of, oh, I want to lose weight and I have to do it. It's kind of doing it out of like self-love and respect really and being in touch with your body, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot, but I agree with the eating up and the nutrition and then also the being in touch with your emotions and body. You know, have you heard this before? I hear a lot of people tell me in the beginning of recovery, they're like, I don't, it's just a habit. And I, which I've said before, it can be looked at as just a habit, but like, it's just a habit. I'm not emotional. I'm not binging because of emotions. And then I find as it goes on, there really is a lot of emotions beneath the surface that they're just numbing. Do you find that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think many people don't want to see it. And like we like we said at the beginning, right, we kind of focus on issues around food, because that's what we think we have, right? It's like food, I can't control myself around food, I eat too much, or then I purge. But then when you yeah, get deeper into it, it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe there are some emotions underneath all of that. Mm -hmm. Well, and the urge itself is an emotion, too. Like, even yeah. if you're just binging because of the urge, the urge is an uncomfortable emotion that you have to feel. And so people mm -hmm. like they think, oh, I'm, I'm sad. And that's because I binge. And it's like, it's not that simple or cartoony. Yeah, mm -hmm. I used to think and I don't know about you, if you could relate. So I grew up around some people that were just they always struck me as very emotional. And so I always didn't want to be highly emotional growing up. And that transferred into adulthood. And I think the resistance to feel my emotions and I thought I should be this stoic person that just and to never have any emotions, but you had control of your emotions. But, you know, and then I'm like, why do I binge and purge and have this obsession with food? And it's like now I'm even though I think I have good control over my emotions, I'm a much more emotional person than I ever wanted to believe I was. Yeah, you know, but I think what I learned over the years and also when I was studying psychology is that it's not about not allowing yourself to have those emotions or to feel those emotions because you can feel them as intensively as they come, you know, and mm -hmm. they have that like important information for you. But it's more about how you express your emotions, you know, it's like kind of learning that I don't know, you're at work and let's say your boss makes you angry, like you're not going to shout at them, are you right? It's like, mm -hmm. but you still have a right to feel those emotions. And I think that's what many people, or we're never really taught that, you know, to that we are allowed to feel any emotions and there are no good or bad emotions. They're all important. No? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I like what you said about them being information, even if your emotions are completely 
I, I think sometimes emotions can feel so intense or off compared to what it's emotional about, but it's still a feedback from your body. And if you just listen to it, it's helpful. So tell mm -hmm. us a bit about your story. You recovered 10 years ago. Um, and I love that you said you still experience urges under times of stress. Um, this just gives people, it'd be helpful to ask like how you manage that. But first, let's go back to your story. How did it all start? What horrible thing happened to you? How did you recover? All that sort of stuff. Yeah, so my, really my root cause was, uh, yeah, low self-esteem. So my issues mm. with food started when I was a teenager, you know, it was like um, early 2000s in Poland and this kind of body um, image or the standard was this like very skinny kind of yeah. Kate Moss figure. And yeah, I was, I think, 13, 14, puberty hit. I and I was like it was like early spring and I remember that moment very vividly because I wanted to put on trousers that I had worn a summer before and like they wouldn't fit you know they would just they were like easily two sizes too small and I was standing there in front of that mirror and I hadn't even noticed anything you know I was like just fine with my, about my body and then I was standing in front of that mirror and I thought to myself oh you're fat you need mm -hmm. to lose weight, you know? And uh, yeah, then I did my first crash diet and that's how it started. Uh, uh, I, it's it's sad. Like A lot of us have a similar story and sometimes I think people that haven't experienced that, they're like, oh, what well, was you, teenager, uncomfortable with your body, blah, blah, blah. But it does hit you, especially when you see images everywhere, people in your life that confirm for you that that is not okay. And then to see yourself going through that change and label yourself as that and then start the obsession just breaks my heart but um yeah so how long did you struggle with for and and how intense it's probably intense but like I don't know what was the worst of it for you well after doing that first diet my weight would like cycle over the years and then when I was 20 I think so seven years later I moved to Scotland and then I lost a bunch of weight just because you know it was new environment I was busy with other things then I put it back on and then I yeah I was already studying psychology and I kind of you know again felt like oh maybe I should lose some weight again and then I did a two-week fast so mm -hmm. fast slash cleanse kind of thing. So I wouldn't eat any solid solid foods for two weeks. And that was the beginning then of binge eating and then later on bulimia. Mm. Yeah. So that was, yeah. I think, the worst. It is always, well, not always, I shouldn't say that. But I find a lot of people, there's that, for me too, there was this extreme moment of like barely eating anything for a few months on end. And then suddenly, three months later, I was bulimic. It's just like, it's not, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how that might have happened. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, can I ask, uh, What will, uh, you already gave a lot of great advice on managing urges and stuff like that, but how did you recover? recover? Yeah, I already like I was bulimic for about three years and I was like super embarrassed about it because, you know, I was studying psychology at that time and I kind of oh. felt like, man, you should know better. What are you doing? Uh, so I was like feeling really embarrassed. I never spoke to anyone about it. So for me, even to um, start Healthy Mind Club and kind of share my journey, I really had to like dig in in my memory because all, of, all that time was kind of like 
classified closed and you know like kind of mm-hmm. a closed chapter and I moved on from it mm, but yeah I was already kind of feeling like maybe half a year before I started my recovery I was already kind of thinking like man I just don't want to live like this anymore you know because it's like really takes over your life you feel like you can't live normally like you can't eat normally I was like either binging and purging or dieting or planning another diet you know and it Mm -hmm. was just like awful awful like that and then like yeah about six months before I was already like kind of having those feelings like I don't want to live like this anymore and then I went to Thailand for two weeks it was actually in January 2014 so like really 10 years ago and I'm not saying you have to go on an exotic trip to recover (laughs) Mm-hmm. But for me, it was that I was then binge and purge free for two weeks. And then I came back and that was like really this mindset shift mindset shift for me because all those years I was so embarrassed of my eating disorder, so ashamed. I never spoke to anyone about it. Like I was just beat, was beating myself up because of it. And then I remember I came back from that holiday. I was sitting in the kitchen and I thought to myself like, well, what if this eating disorder is there to support you? Like Mm. in a very toxic, you know, it's like this kind of toxic friend that you have, you know, that you don't want to be friends with anymore. But I was like, what if it's like there to help you deal with your emotions or help you avoid dealing with your emotions? But like kind of what if that eating disorder has a bigger purpose that it's not just something, a part of you that you want to get rid of. And that was this like really crucial moment for me because I made peace with that part of me. It wasn't something I wanted to get rid of anymore and something that I was ashamed of, but I started seeing it like, yeah, a bit differently. Interesting. I think that's a crucial moment everyone needs to have in recovery because they and their eating disorder journey because they so badly don't want to admit that that's a piece of their identity and that this mm. could possibly be helping them in some way. And they look at it as just this disgusting, inhuman, not a part of them at all. And it's like, wait, you're doing this for a reason. Look at it and see how it, it is a part of you and it's helping you. And I don't know, fully for me, embracing the bingy side of me and the bulimia side of mm-hmm. me, it's a really extreme trait of mine, but it's a powerful one too. And like, I feel like a lot of traits that you have in bulimia can be good in different ways. And it is serving you. It is, it does have a purpose. So when you can see why it's actually helping you, then you can alter your behavior and be like, well, how, how else can I help myself or let go of it or mm-hmm. something? It's like, it's mm-hmm. an amount of accountability, I guess, that really helps with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And just kind of like, yeah, making peace with it. And I actually had a little talk with my bulimia, you know, literally I spoke nice. out loud and I said, yeah, okay, thanks for, you know, helping me in, for all these years. But I, I like, I'm ready to let you go and I want to try something else, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like releasing <laughs> it, but in peace. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yeah. a little breakup talk. Yeah, you're still great, you know, but just not for me, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember I didn't have a talk with it, but I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm okay with it, but I don't want this anymore. It was like a very mature moment of, because I had mm-hmm. had a, a, six months earlier, kind of this acceptance moment of it being in my life, but then eventually having with it, having it without shame and just kind of doing it, 
I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not me. And then being able to come at it from that place was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when you think about it, like, you know, if you're struggling with bulimia or binge eating, it like really takes over your life. Like for me, there was no day that I, you know, either wouldn't binge or purge or just binge or at least think about it or plan another diet. So if you're kind of disconnected from this part of you you're disconnected from this huge part of your life actually that Mm -hmm. is there every day whether you like it or not right yeah absolutely that kind of brings me to another subject I wanted to ask you about which is telling people about it so you obviously were in a really hard position being a professional and then um and studying psychology like no supposedly knowing everything and having imposter syndrome so it kind of makes sense why you didn't want to speak to people but what was your experience like actually open up to people about it? It was actually way more positive than I expected, but I opened up opened up about it like kind of years after I recovered. Mm-hmm. So I didn't speak to anyone. I was still like too embarrassed and too ashamed of it. So I kind of recovered on my own. And then like, I don't know, a year, maybe a few years later, I spoke to people about it. But And I think because it was something that I wasn't struggling with anymore, it was like kind of like, oh, you know, just just so you know, I used to struggle with bulimia and this and that. And they're like, oh, okay. And some people would ask some more questions, some just kind of accepted it. Mm. Yeah, it's it's crazy how much we think people care. And some people are like, oh, okay. You know, (laughs) that's the shit you have. Okay, cool. (laughs) It's just like everyone has something. Um, I... The only thing that made me think about that is I hear a lot of people say, I'll tell people after I recover. And it's good to hear from you that, you know, you can recover on your own without telling anyone. But I think it's just such an isolating experience. I always try to encourage people to tell someone, even when they're still in the depths of it. I wouldn't recommend trying to recover on (laughs) your own. Absolutely Absolutely not. And for me, I think what helped me to do that was that background in psychology that I already had, because there Mm. we were actually learning like about emotions and like your childhood. And there, like, like I said, for me, that root cause was low self-esteem. So I could actually understand where it came from, you know, so it was like a little bit different. But if I could turn back time and like go through my recovery again, I would definitely get help. I Even if you're not ready to speak to your family member or a friend, at least speak to professional. Yeah. You know, this is a side question and I will get back to the other stuff, but I was just mm-hmm. talking to someone about this who had pretty low self-esteem and then they would act out because of that self-esteem. Are there, are there any things off the top of your head that can help with low self-esteem in general? I think first of all it's like kind of realizing that low that we're like kind of really tricked by the diet culture and media social media and stuff like that because you know they kind of bombard us with those images of this these like slim or fit or certain looking people and they present them always as like you know successful and happy and wealthy and we kind of on this unconscious level we kind of connect the dots right and so we think okay if I want to be happy successful and whatever else I have to look like that and this is where it comes from because the this low self-esteem and trying to lose weight, it's not really about 
those kilos or you know pounds per se it's about feeling worthy Mm -hmm. yeah it's about feeling that acceptance and almost validation from yourself and others that you are enough yeah and first step for me also was kind of realizing that those beauty standards they're just standards you know that I can be happy and I can actually accept myself and I don't know, be in anybody, you know, that I don't have to look a certain way. And I think for many people who struggle with that, because I remember like reaching my dream weight and I wasn't any happier, you know, Mm, and I didn't feel super confident and successful. So that was already like this point where I was like, well, I don't think this will work as I think it will. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like realizing that those ideas that you have they're not yours, you know, they're just kind of this projection from the society or the diet culture. And it's kind of like dissociating yourself from that. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Both times I've been at more of my dream weight. It's not that I I enjoyed being at that weight, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I liked how I looked, but it kept my world incredibly small. And it was a perception of me that was made by other people, like you're saying. And mm. I find the more I just live through, okay, what do I want though? What do I enjoy? How do you need, even like how I dress or look sometimes is like, am I dressing for myself? Am I looking this way for myself or is it for other people? And like the more I try to find out authentically me, the more confident I feel because I'm not mm-hmm. trying to fit myself into someone else's parameters. And like you said, they are just standards. And it's funny as they get about how my mom, when I just visited her last week and she was like, big butts are all crazed right now. It's so weird how like people are obsessed with big butts. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> it is kind of weird, mom. You're right. Like, I don't know what. And she's like, that was not the case when we were kids. And then it's just so funny that that it's like we obsess over trying to get these things. And then in 10 years, it changes or 20 years, it changes or it only fits this really small parameter. And if you're trying to get yourself to fit into that parameter, people that only validate you or care about you just on how you look, they're not the type of people that you want to hang out with. They're really, really toxic and have their own insecurities. Mm-hmm. 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 Exactly. Exactly. And I think realizing that is very, very powerful. First of all, that your worth is not tied to your weight. Like mm-hmm. you can feel worthy and be happy and live that life that you always wanted to live in your body that you're currently in. Like it doesn't matter as much as, you know, the diet culture says it does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can just imagine people listening to this, though, that are in maybe like obsessed with their smaller body or like trying to like this way. They're like, no, they've given up. Like, I remember when I hear that stuff when I was in bleeding, I was like, they've just lost it. I can never do that. <laughs> I think it, you have to have a complete and utter breakdown from that code. But then once you're on the other side, you're like, oh, wow, I have so much more confidence. I can do so much more stuff. And like my world is not controlled by a number or being on a scale or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even like kind of asking yourself, even yeah, when you reach that perfect weight and it's like, okay, how much does it cost me to look like this? You know, am yes. I actually happy? And am I living life to the fullest? Is that the price? I'm willing to pay to look like that? Is that what life's all about? You know, so kind of like questioning those things a bit. That's a good, yeah. Sometimes when people just won't let go of this weight ideal, I really, I sit down with them and look, this is what you want to be at. This is exactly what's required to be at that weight. 
and you have to if you want to and i'm like do you want to be running eight miles a day and starving yourself and all these things and you know sometimes they're like yeah and i'm like you need to think about that then but if people are like <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. It's like, this is the reality then, unless you're going to try to do something crazy to your body, which probably won't work. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you for answering all that. That was really interesting. Um, so kind of wrap things up, I guess. I always like to ask people what, if you could give one piece of advice for anyone struggling out there right now, what would you say? Yeah. Don't struggle alone and in secrecy. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And be realistic about that recovery. Remember that it's a process. It takes time. It's full of, of ups and downs because I think, especially for people with binge eating or bulimia, we kind of, we've, we lived with this all or nothing mindset, right? So it's this kind of like, you know, either binging or dieting. So we have this black or white thinking. And I think then in the recovery, let's say you're binge and purge free for three days, right? And then you have like a bad day or something happens and you do end up binging and purging. It doesn't mean that all the progress you've made so far is gone. You know, it's mm -hmm. just a part of recovery because I think when you're stuck in this all, of, all or nothing mindset, then you will see it as oh no, I failed, this makes no sense, right? I'm back at square one again, but you're not, you know? Yeah, you are lapsing or engaging in those behaviors as a different person than when you started. And you're probably mm -hmm. lapsing better if there was a way to say that. I just think every time you fail, I feel like you fail forward. And even it shouldn't even be looked at as a failure, but just for the sake of terms, <laughs> when you yeah. have that, you are feeling upwards, right? You're improved in how you kind of crash and burn. Um, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, yeah, and I agree. It's, I had a few, I have a eight week group coaching program and a lot of people in there are doing really well, but even the people that are struggling are still having some behaviors and stuff. It's really cool to watch them experience their behaviors differently and learn from those behaviors differently than they did before. And they have not lost all their progress. They're making progress through having behaviors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah and like celebrating those small wins you know even if you do end up like in your recovery even if you do end up binging or binging purging and even if you're aware of what's going on in that moment you know you're like okay you're still on this auto autopilot you're acting on that urge but at least if you 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 know what's going on that's already a huge success too you know mm -hmm. because next time maybe you will be able to even stop in the middle. And that's a huge success also, you know? Mm -hmm. It is, yeah. And people don't, they want to jump from zero to 100, but that's how you <laughs> get there, right? So there, there's a rare person out there that can go from the zero to 100, but I think that they're missing a lot through just getting things automatically and perfectly. And mm -hmm. some things that I'm naturally good at, I don't then get to experience the grit of continually giving, like pushing forward anyway. And then when suddenly I come up with a challenge with that, then I don't know how to handle it. Cause I'm like, this is always easy. Why isn't it easy? You know, it's like, it's not supposed to always be easy. You're supposed to struggle a little bit and get through it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, it's a part of the process too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, Anna, it's been really nice having you on. Um, there was one other question I wanted to ask you, but I forgot about it. It was about something with your recovery 10 years oh oh last thing how did you mm -hmm. cope with urges this past year with all the stress that you had going on 
Yeah, I didn't expect them, I have to say, to come, but I already know, let's say, like my warning signals, you know, so because of like some stressful situations, I wasn't eating right, you know, mm -hmm. so um, I was skipping meal meals, but it wasn't intentional, it just kind of happened, and then I noticed that I was like overeating in the evenings, you know, and I was already like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. And then when I started feeling those urges to binge, I was like, okay, what emotions don't I don't want to feel right now, you know, mm -hmm. so kind of like, again, reconnecting, because for me, I realized that binging, binging, purging was a way of avoiding to deal with my emotions or to feel them. So I would like ask myself, okay, what are you feeling right now? What What is it about? You know, what's underneath that urge? And then I would name that emotion and kind of sit with it, actually sit with it or go for a walk, go for a run, things, things like that. And yeah, I would listen to my body. Mm. Nice. Just back to basics, basically. That's nice. But you were able to recognize it. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad that you're obviously <laughs> probably still having stress and stuff like that, but I'm glad that you're through that and you're able to manage it well. And that it's just interesting for mm -hmm. people to hear, especially people to hear 10 years in a recovery that things can still happen and you could just use the same tools. Nothing has really gone wrong. Um, and I, I met one person who was maybe 10 years plus recovery and she's like, no, I've never had any urges and I never like not, the eating disorder is completely gone. I was like, okay. Sure, sure, whatever you say, that's fine. Um, just, just felt suspicious. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It's yeah, sus. but I think when you're, yeah, but I think when you're like kind of prepared for it, and you know, again, like if you've made peace with that side of you, and then something really stressful or whatever, like major life change happens, because life changes are also part of uh, root cause. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you you kind of go into that default mode again. But when you're aware of it and you know that, okay, this may, may happen, it's not like, oh, I'm free from binge eating and bulimia and I will never do that again. When you think like that, you kind of set yourself up to fail, I think. You do, mm. yeah. There's this mm. radical acceptance and like, okay, this is a piece mm -hmm. of me. We are vulnerable to this. We got to watch it. Don't yeah. be constantly scared of it, but just know that about yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. all right mm -hmm. i'm gonna let you go but thank you so much for being here this is a really fun interview yeah thank you so much for having me it was really oh. fun for me too and where can people find you uh on instagram it's at healthy.mindclub or on my website healthymindclub.eu awesome cool and are there any programs that you're offering right now or stuff that you're offering that you want people to know about yeah, I'm doing currently one-to-one -one sessions. You can find them on my website and I will be starting group programs from, I think, March, April this year. So there will be some info on the website as well. Sweet, yeah. I Group, mm -hmm. I used to think like one-on-one -on -one is the holy grail, but group is so powerful. It's really good for people too. Um, they're just both it really such... is. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, hey, that's exciting. People can find you there. Awesome. All right, we're going to say goodbye. Bye, everyone listening. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>